Uh, hey, I'm I'm Dash, and I'm Sam. You know and, that. Yeah. If you're wow, this would be a wild point to start the series. <laughs> if you hadn't listened to any Lost in the Multiverse before this one, and this is the first one, that would be wild. Made a mistake. Yeah, probably this isn't the one to start on. Um, uh, but yeah, hi, we're uh, coming at you with a sort of a special in between seasons uh, thing. So uh, just to sort of straight up full disclosure. The Lost in the Multiverse, the original plan was for it to go 10, uh, 10 books or seasons or whatever you want to call them. We've been calling them books, and I don't remember why. Uh, I think, Sam, you liked books. I like books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been call- books, <laughs> books are nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I don't like them. Uh, we've, been calling them we've been calling them books. Um, the original plan was to go 10 full seasons. Um, we didn't account for the stream taking up being one of those, so I sort of didn't have that in mind. Um, but that ended up sort of being a full release season. Um, but r- right now we're sort of everyone on the cast has sort of moved to different parts of this country uh, and scheduling's a little bit tricky. And it's looking like uh, we're probably not going to be able to sit down and actually play through the last couple bits of this arc, which is a bummer. And we're sorry. And that is a bummer for me, too, as the person who sort of wrote the big uh, arc stuff. But instead of just ending it and being like, oh, yeah, well, this arc is done. We're moving on to our next one. I thought it would be at least good to the people who wanted to know how the story would end to give them um, us talking about it. Us talking about, like, what I imagined would happen, sort of where the uh, plot was going. Um, those are the, sort of the big, the big story, the big story points coming up and sort of how what I wanted to present the cast sort of as the ending, because obviously I don't know what you all would do. I have an idea right. because I've, you know, we've been playing this game for a year. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, also, also, oh, very oh, important. Oh, oh, uh, oh, very important, uh, uh, dear listener, that this does not, this also, don't worry, this does not mean no more content. We're going to do a lot more content. The podcast means, is not over. Absolutely. Yes, no. And that's podcast, actually something. It's we only want to get just into. begun. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's so much more that's that's still going to happen. That's actually something that we wanted to get into sort of at the end of this one, after we talk about a little bit about, um, A, just the podcast in general and sort of where we've come, where we started. After we get through all that, after we talk about the plot as I sort of wanted for this sort of this arc of Lost in the Multiverse, um, we do have sort of the next two things we're going to do planned. Um, and we're going to talk about that at the end of this one. Yeah. This um, was only the first arc. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. This is the first hundreds arc of we've... hours of content. It's wild. How many, uh, I've been, cause I, I'll, oh, I'll... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do we oh. want to call? Do we want to call these arcs? Do we want to call these cycles? The first cycle. I've, I've sort of been saying arcs when I talk about it, but the I'm, saga? I, I don't hate saga. I don't I like hate saga, saga. because then we could even call it like the glory saga, you know what I mean? Ooh. Or like, and then refer to them as as sagas. Uh, yeah, I kind of like that. Wow, listen, listeners, do you see that we're we're naming Got the stuff? Sausages made. We're yeah. This is the sort of behind the scenes one that you all are getting. Um, but yeah, we do have we do have our next two things planned. We sort of have a short one, almost like a palate cleansing one, um, like parsley, but D and D. Yeah, all right. Or ginger. I like ginger. Or ginger. Ginger is sort of my go-to for for a palate cleanser. Um, We've got a short sort of a shorter arc or a shorter saga coming up after the close of this one, and then we're going to be jumping into another sort of big 
uh, long game one, and uh, both of those we're going to talk about, again, sort of at the end of this one. Um, but, but before we get into the plot of how the story was going to sort of wrap up, I did sort of just want to talk about it in general. I, I think people who, who listen to the show know this, but it is you and me sort of are, you know, we, we decided to do this. It wasn't just a bunch of people coming together. Um, I think literally, and I might've shared, I might've shared this on Twitter and I'll find it and try to share it again. But like literally like two years ago, I messaged you on Facebook to be like, Sam, let's play D and D. And, and I think we we had actually uh, some background that the listeners I think probably don't know is that uh, Dash and I had met, um, uh, Dash and I had met during like a, an all comedian D and D game. Yeah, well, started, all comedians and your wife. Yes, all comedians and my yeah. wife. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of those comedians and your wife D and D games. And 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 by the way, not my wife at the time. Right. Right. All, all comedians and my girl. Yeah. Uh, oh no, don't like that. Yeah, girl. Mm. Girlfield. Mm. Oh, girlfield. <laughs> you know, girlfield. Yeah, okay. okay, I like Getting it now. It's Mondays. Um, you won me so, over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is my girlfield. Uh, and I am her John. Uh, so. Oh, no. <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Okay, yeah, we were playing. Oh, just that's, yeah. that's how we met. I had that's just we, moved. That's how we I met. I just that's moved right. to New York. And I, I just moved to New York. And I was talking to some fucking nerds, and one of them was like, "Hey, I got a D and D game," and I think it was at your office. And I remember that because I was like, "This, we're, I had to go into Manhattan," and I was like, "I didn't know anything about navigating." And I showed up at this like nice office building, and I was like, "What kind of bougie ass D and D is this gonna be?" And, I had uh, like honestly like a thousand square feet in like a WeWork because <laughs> I I I guess I'm the bad guy in Parasite, and. Uh, <laughs> We, so we, uh, you know, everyone shows up and it's this just like big ass glass office. And I'm like, I've reserved us a conference room. <laughs> uh, and that we, it's like the le- the most un D place we could have possibly been playing D and D. Yeah. Very uh, un D and D. There was no bookcase full of miniatures. There was no. like, no, it was there, just, there was Cheeto dust. Nowhere, nowhere, not even anywhere. <laughs> it was a very odd place to play D anD D, but then it's it ended up being the place where the podcast was born. Well, so yeah, because we, I mean, sort of, because we played, I think, three sessions of that. I think we played three sessions of that one, and then it just sort of, I think, the DM was just like, I started dating someone, so I'm not going to do this anymore, and we were all yes. like, okay, well, bye. Uh, and then I think you hit me up to do like a con show. And, uh, cause we didn't like, we didn't start like hanging out or being buds really. We just like talk online every now and then. No, Dash and I were enemies. Uh, yeah. And- <laughs> yep. Straight up. Yeah, absolutely. But we fought, we, we, we battled. Yeah. Uh, it was sort of like, uh, it was sort of like, uh, uh like a, uh, first season, uh, Vegeta. To- yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, you know, it, you know what it was? It was like, um, it was like uh, uh, Raditz. It was like Raditz Saga, Piccolo, and Goku, where it's like they're a little mm. apprehensive around each other, right? Not fully comfy yet. And then by the end of it, uh, I <laughs> I have parented Dash's child. So yeah, <laughs> it's a wild metaphor to go to because only one of us has a child, and it is you. Oh um, yeah, I know. I just you know, I just picture myself as the Piccolo. 
That's fine. I can, you know, I feel like I knew that. Yeah. I feel like I can. <laughs> yeah. I think, come on. I, yeah, I feel okay. like I've got big piccolo energy. <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? Um, but yeah, literally, I think I just reached out to you randomly to be like, oh, let's play D&D. And I think your response was something to the effect of like, okay, but I really have to focus on making content right now. So do you want to do it as a podcast? That's basically probably, yeah, that's basically, yeah. Yep. And I, Correct. I think that my response was like, that's fine as long as I don't have to DM. And then... Uh, <laughs> I was like, ah, joke's on you. <laughs> yeah, no, the joke ended up being on me. Um... And then, yeah, and then we just sort of, we, I think we both reached out to various people that we had in our life, either comedians or performers of, of some, we put this thing together, and uh, yeah, I don't think I had any idea uh, that it would, you know, take us across the country, I don't think that I yeah. had any idea, some of the cool guests that we, we would uh, would have gotten, I guess I'm curious, just from like your, sort of your perspective, in terms of what you thought you were getting into at the beginning versus where we are now, like, uh, yeah, what did you sort of think this would be? Uh well, what I mean, one thing I completely didn't anticipate was just like how many life changes would happen through the course yeah. of this uh, through this podcast. Yeah. Uh, on my side, I uh, got married and had a yep. baby, which uh-huh. is wild. Uh, on on your side, I mean, like you first of all, like you started and and then completed. I would say a relationship. Yeah, we wrapped the- it up. We finished it. Yeah, we st- uh, we started and finished the relationship. The end of the uh, arc of the yeah book. we. That that one, yeah, that one did get a did a full end. Um, yeah, no, uh, Jesse Nowak and I started dating. We met through the podcast. We ended up deciding. Um, we ended up di- deciding later into it that we sort of our our relationship made more sense if we continued it just as like platonic friends. Um, the podcast continues. If that tells you anything about how queers and nerds work, is that you never really, no one's ever really gone. The Palpatine nope. quote. Yeah. Um, or does it Luke say speak. that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. A mysterious no. transmission has been broadcasting through the galaxy. I mean, also, like, you, a, a very big in your life is, like, you stopped identifying yourself as a cis person, which is, yeah, like, coming, what coming a out, Coming out as non-binary is a thing that happened uh, for me. That's a weird passive way of saying it on my side. I came out as non-binary. Uh, over the course <laughs> it's of this a thing pod- that happened for me is a thing. Yeah. You know how humans talk. Um, yes. yeah, I came out as, as non-binary. That was sort of, um, I mean, if I'm being completely real, I can actually, I can honestly say that the podcast is a big part of that. Um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, being, cause everything's sort of, it's, it's wild. There, there are no real like, uh, coincidences I feel, but it's wild how, you know, right around the time, that I was starting to consider uh, that I might not, you know, be a, a man. I think being in this space of DMing, uh, you know, I'm going to say dozens and dozens and dozens of characters and having to figure out what it means to uh, role play as female characters, how to pitch my voice around and do uh, sort of the affectations of speech and sort of feel, feeling out gender in sort of an interesting role. You know, a lot of people talk about role-playing games as a method of exploring their own gender identity. And I think that at the time I didn't realize that that's necessarily what I was doing. But the amount of effort that I put into, like, how would... Because I'm not, you know, my voice is not that high. I'm not going to, like, 
pitch up and do a Monty Python thing to voice female characters, but I I, I do oh my God, best. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if not even just at the D and D podcast, but could you imagine if someone was if like a friend of ours was just like, yeah, you know, like I don't know, I'm playing around with gender a little bit, and uh, I think I'm gonna do a Monty Python thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that oh, would no. be. <laughs> yeah, that oh, would be bad. Oh, no. uh, yeah. Um. But no, just in terms of like you know, I I do my best, and I think listeners can sort of hear when I when I say that I I I don't try to pitch the 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 deepness or the highness of my voice, but I do sort of try to play when I'm not just doing the two New Jersey accents that I know how to do. I try. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Yeah, uh-huh. and Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg. Yes, thank you. Um, I try to I try to think about the sort of the the tonal qualities and the. The sort of um, what is the yeah. word that I'm? What is the word I'm looking for? You're the voice. You're timbre. the voice. The timbre. timbre. Yeah, and, just this, uh, yeah. I I feel like inflection way, is what I was thinking. I ah, think. yeah, but yeah. I mean, like the way of of I feel like exploring masculinity and femininity as something that is not just a function of how high or low your voice is. Yeah. Uh, is I, you know, it's like it's it's three dimensional. It's nuanced, and it's I I think I. Just, just you know, being one of now, I, I, you know, not at the beginning of this, but certainly now right. by this point, like I think one of we're each other's one of each other's closest friends in the world. Absolutely, just like seeing each other, and and on my side, like just like seeing you grow and evolve throughout this process has been like totally wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just watching you come into your own as a human being has been so cool. That's really sweet of you to say, Sam. Yeah. And I watched you make a baby with your balls, and that's cool, too. Yes, that's It took less <laughs> Hold work. on. I do need to say, hold on. I didn't watch you make the baby, but I meant, like, watching your life as you make a baby with your balls. Because if I – the first okay. read – Sure does sound like I was watching, and that's not what happened. That would be, I mean, a thing that people do, but not that we have done. Well, look, if that's your headcanon, uh, who are we? (laughs) I feel like you said a sweet thing, and then I took it away immediately. Um, But no, that's that is, yeah. I think I think just watching. uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure from your from your side, you know, watching my balls and uh, (laughs) (laughs) grow and change. Oh no. Um no, I but I no, the the friendship, the friendship that I have with you and like, you know, even uh the the other members of this cast, I feel like we've all sort of grown in a in a really cool in a really cool way that I didn't necessarily see coming, but I absolutely did not predict you becoming one of my fucking best friends in the whole world uh from a D&D podcast, and I think that's oh, yeah. one of the sort of one of the cool things about about this podcast that maybe doesn't I think we talk about it, but it doesn't really. It never really gets an, an outward facing thing. Oh, totally. I mean, and I, you know, just just looking at like when when we started this, being like, oh, there's there's this person Dash, and uh, you know, they seem pretty cool, but I don't know how how well we'll get along long term. But let's try and play some D and D and see how that works out, and and to well, now be here. Especially given, I think you and I have both, especially, you know, doing comedy and working in this sort of industry for as long as we have, I think there's always, there's this like Russian roulette thing of starting a project with someone where it's like, cool, are we going to be friends or will I hate this person? Yeah. Uh, Just because I think, you know, all of the stresses, especially a project, because we've both put a lot into this podcast and we can get into like sort of more of like what 
sort of the the the, the toll um, on on both of us in terms of you know just this is a this is you know we treat it like a job I think both of us and oh, yeah, and totally. and I think anytime you're doing something like that or starting something like that especially if you've been doing this for a long enough time it's risky because it's like okay this is a person who I this is a person who I haven't interacted with altogether that much. Uh, this could be a cool thing. It could either fizzle out or we could develop. You know, I've definitely started projects with people where I'm like, oh, this is my cool friend. And then by the end of it, after working very yeah. closely with someone, you're like, holy oh, shit, I can't. If I- yeah. <laughs> um, but no, just the 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 friendship that I that I've feel like we've, we've built together has been uh, wildly meaningful to me. To- me too. And and it's just like it's so funny how totally unpredictable that was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, even early, early on, I, I think, you know, cause there were definitely, it's not like the process was without stress at any point. I think, you know, a lot of people don't know cause now, now I edit the episodes on, uh, on a laptop, but even early on we had to, you know, we were, we were working on your desktop computer in your office, which meant at first oh, yeah. we had to like, I had to text you to be like, Hey, can you edit? Which days of the week can you edit? We had to go, you had to, you know, Fit together and comb yeah. through everything. Like it was a very involved process. I didn't know at all how to use the editing software or anything. I learned from watching you, um, you know, to the point where... Which is normally a phrase that people say about their parents and alcoholism. (laughs) I thought it was weed. Wasn't it weed? I learned from watching you. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's uh, it's anything bad they do that you then do. (laughs) Um, But just, yeah, just... Not that I'm saying weed is bad. This is is not a podcast (laughs) where... Yeah, yes. this is where we oh, take. Oh, by the way, very, if you didn't know, uh, this is we where are we take our very anti-weed. <laughs> yeah, this is our super straight edge D and D podcast. Yeah, um, uh, sure, we do have like a magical bong as an item in this <laughs> in in this show, but uh, also uh, we think it means you're going to hell. Uh, right. But that's okay. Yeah, you know. that's uh, yeah. I mean, that is. I think Bodon did go to hell for stealing that. Oh, that's a good the, point. No, he I went to hell was, because he smoked was, weed once. That is, went to hell canonically. weed once, and now he went to hell prison. I do think Bodon is a perfect example of like the sort of the silly, the silly bullshit of this podcast. Just in terms of, you know, I mean, the pit. moment we started skateboarding. <laughs> But even just like, because like the board skate, the board skate was a great sort of like, I feel like micro version of it for that arc. But just if you look at like Bodon as a character started off as just, oh, this is just like a chill guy. And I imagine him to be sort of like a fun trickster in like a morality tale of like, oh, this mortal who tricked a god and then became Mark Wahlberg and then just became like the joke was just that you all hated him. And when I, and the, when, you know, and the it, nicer he got, the more we hated him. And I think introducing a character like that and being able to, for for me on my side, being like, okay, how am I going to reintroduce this character later on? Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And then as soon as we figured out, as soon as I was like, okay, we're doing a hell thing, I was like, cool, I'm going to put Bodon in there. Um, and I'm going to make him vital. Because I think Brandy hated him the most. And oh, yeah. Th- oh, by far. Yeah, so the whole idea of like making him the integral key figure that she was talking to without realizing it, um, just from a from a hey, this is a funny thing perspective to like, I think you had Thrax send him, you had Thrax send him back, and that's how he got the the Golden Corral job or whatever. 
Um, yeah, I think I think I, I'm from a storytelling perspective because I did I have planned a lot, and that's again we're gonna we're gonna get into like the story stuff. But a lot of this, a lot of especially telling a story like this that's going to take as long to tell as as this one, I have to do a lot of planning. And I think I appreciate the most the things that I didn't plan that ended up being long-running gags or long-running things. And I think a lot of that comes from group storytelling. I'm curious if there's anything sort of like that with Thrax specifically or jokes that you were hoping would pay off or didn't expect to pay off. It's so funny. Like my whole goal at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the show with Thrak was like, I just want to make a bunch of like very goofy, bold choices. Uh, And from that moment, it felt like all of those choices because they were, because I was so determined so early on to be like a very active player because, you know, I, I think, and a lot of listeners can relate to this playing D&D, there are really two ways to play. Uh, fundamentally, I feel like there's two kinds of D&D you can play as a player. One is, I'm just going to go along with this and, you know, focus on combat and focus on, you know, lore and collecting items and stuff like that, which is a really fun way to play, which I've played a lot. Um, but then there's the other way, which is like, I'm going to make just make a bunch of choices that are not necessarily going along with what it is clear that the DM has planned out as a path. So even little stuff like ripping out a tooth, like that kind of stuff, for all of it, because it's our job to kind of live in this world, but it's your job to take the things we do and become like a pattern recognition machine and, and make everything mean something. So by making all of those crazy weird choices with Thrak, uh, I you know I got to watch them all sort of have this butterfly effect of reverberating throughout the books of the show and growing into things that are much much more significant. Like having the the kid who uh, I Thrak gives the tooth to yeah. come back later, like that that kind of stuff is so so cool um, and it could, totally unexpected. Yeah. Although I don't think I think you might be I think you might be uh, confusing a thing that we planned to do with a thing that ended up actually happening because I don't think we brought him back later. Yeah, we did. We totally did. did. We? Where yeah, was there it? was? Uh, remember that time? It was a couple books ago where Thrak um, and Tooth Kid got in a fight, uh, like a full-on combat fight with the entire rest of the party. I'm trying yeah. to remember where that was. No, you're right. That was the Tommy. That was the Tommy arc. That was the Tommy arc. There it was. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. This is absolutely. Uh, and I think I the reason I forgot that for a second is that I had a very different plan with that character, and I can't remember if I told you after it happened, but my original plan mm-hmm. because I tried to set up an arc for everybody. I tried to set up an arc for. I tried to set up an arc for everyone pre recording the show so for daxton i had this whole thousand deaths revenge plan i sort of had that in mind from the beginning uh, for lilith i had this whole oh you're gonna have to confront the deity that accidentally started your race of tieflings i had all that in mind thrax i would say of all of them is the one that Sort of completely about went off the rails. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, but it's a great example of something where I had this idea in mind, and then the character that you sort of built up, I was like, okay, 
it makes a lot more sense if we do it this way. And I think we'll be a lot more narratively fulfilling because the original plan, the original, uh, the original Thrax season for me from where I was sitting was going to be a time travel season. And the whole idea was going to be that Thrak is going to – Thrak and the party were going to have to be pulled back and forth between like the distant future and the distant past. And the idea was you were going to have to fight alongside uh, your dad. You were going to have to fight alongside your dad in the pits. You were going to have to fight alongside that, uh, that tooth kid. Um, way later on when like the tooth kid had become like a leader in this like half orc uprising. Um, and you were going to, the whole idea was to sort of see if you would be even tempted to change the past, see if Thrax views on ritual combat would change. And then I think you, they didn't at all. And Thrax views on ritual combat ended up being like, no, it's fucking sick as hell still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the funny thing is like Thrax, from a, I feel like so much of what you've done with the arcs and planning for characters has been fundamentally about characters having to confront something in themselves. Yeah. Um. And and Thrak, uh, has been sort of the Bernie Sanders of characters in that, <laughs> uh, completely unchanged from the beginning to the end. I would say yeah. that's the that's the crazy thing is like. Th- like what an incredibly satisfying arc for Thrak to have gone through without as a character fundamentally changing whatsoever. No, uh, I mean, just know? literally like Thrak has sort of Goku. Thrak is the Goku of the show where the sort of the arc and the character motivation stays the same. And the only thing that skyrockets is the power level. Yeah. And, and well, the crazy thing is, you know, you started this thinking, okay, well the Thrak based on the backstory that I gave you, uh, you were like, yeah. okay, well, the the thrack, the thrack sort of bent here. The 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 motif here is going to be uh, thrack's issues with his father. Yeah. Um, but what is the most Goku'd up version of daddy issues than thrack having issues with his god? <laughs> yeah, like <absolutely>. that is <laughs> uh, there is no. It's the daddy of daddies, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and for thrack to for Thrak to in fact take the lesson from having killed his father uh and sort of besting his father in that in that very mythological way of that kind of greek myth of the the, the the child god killing the father god yeah um for Thrak to take that and instead of saying oh this leaves a sort of a hole in my heart w- to, to instead say, oh, no, this has defined where the rest of my life is going to lead. This is something that not only do I romanticize, but I, like, I will now, my, my entire life revolves around it. And I think part of that is, I feel like there's sort of two archetypes. I feel like there's sort of two action hero archetypes. And one of them is the character who, like, fundamentally grows and changes and evolves to something. And I think the other one, and this is more of a thrack, is the character who is very strongly committed to an ideal and maybe figures out that the world around him is not actually reflecting that ideal. And instead of changing to match the world sort of makes an attempt to change the world around him. Yeah. In a fucked up way that makes Thrak uh, our Superman. (laughs) Kind of a little bit, right. uh, Or Superman or even like, again, just like you're sort of like your traveling gunslinger character who maybe, you know, early on Thrak thought ritual combat's the way to go and uh, was being used by, you know, the sort of the dwarven government 
to execute uh, political enemies. But then instead of being like, oh, it's not ritual combat, just being like, oh, no, no, ritual combat is still very good. Right. It's just the people in charge who have to change. Um, right. You, you cannot – Thrak is a character that is immune to disillusionment. Yeah. You, for, you know, you, you can't say, oh, haha, this ritual combat was a lie and it was a political tool. Thrak right. doesn't say like, oh, no, I'm disillusioned by ritual combat. Thrak says, okay, well, now I'll ritually combat you. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, which is, I think, uh, uh, was a great surprise for me as the person sort of trying to lay this story out. And I think that's sort of one of the things that I've really enjoyed in in this, in terms of, <clears throat> in terms of uh, as a writing writing sort of ex- experience. Because I've written I've written stuff with people before, and there's the version of that of like, oh, I don't think this character would do this, and you talk about it, and you write out the story when you're just writing sort of when you're just writing fiction. But this idea of the group collaborative storytelling of of oh here's here's a world and here are some prompts and me being fundamentally wrong about a character in that world that i'm sort of putting together there's something really really cool about that for me uh in in terms of in terms of world building to be like okay totally i have to adjust what i imagine because if i just tried to keep thrax arc the same it would have been wildly unfulfilling from a narrative perspective well what's so interesting from a narrative perspective too is that you know analyzing it like story structure wise the character that overcomes uh, adversity and like grows and changes that is the character of a hero the character that does not change and wants to change the world around it i mean that's the archetype of a supervillain that is that is not a hero's journey. That is, yeah. that is a villain's quest. Yeah. And to have that be a, to a degree, heroic character, um, <laughs> make, the, the cool thing about it is it does, it makes, it, it makes Thrax kind of a force of nature, which ends up pairing really well with that sort of deicide arc of, you know, it, it, makes, it makes Thrax like an immovable object. It makes Thrax Kratos, you know? And putting and putting that sort of putting that character alongside uh, three other characters who are sort of going through their own sort of more traditional heroes' journeys, I think, is also really important in in terms of a varied storytelling experience too. Totally. Um, just putting you know putting putting Thrak alongside Daxton, who is figuring out how he wants to exist as a person in the multiverse, how he wants to his own sort of. Uh, uh, conflict with yeah um with you know combat and what that means and looking tough and being tough putting that alongside a person like lilith who i think uh has fundamental like rage and anger inside but doesn't want (laughs) doesn't want to acknowledge it and i think that's sort of the most interesting sort of fun part to me about about the lilith character is you know she wants to she wants she has a perceived self and she has a real self, and the right. sort of the struggle between those two things more than I think any of the other characters. I think Lilith sort of exists in that doesn't know exactly who she wants to be, or at least isn't going to let herself be exactly right. Who she right. Wants Lilith to be does not thing. know who she wants to be. Uh, Daxton knows who he wants to be, but he doesn't know how to be it. Yeah. Whereas Thrak is just pretty content. Thrak is just seeking the means to accomplish right. Thrak, better than thing. <laughs> Thrak is incredibly happy with himself. Yeah. I mean, Thrak, Thrak is sort of on, he's like, from, from day one, he's just like, yep, I'm on the path that I want to be on. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes Nellis really interesting, too, as kind of a wild card character. Because Absolutely. I feel like Nellis knows what she wants, but doesn't know who she is. 
I think the thing with Nellis is, again, Nellis sort of does know what she wants in sort of a vague sort of way, but also isn't exactly sure how to get it. And I did sort of string out the the Nellis mystery elements of this in a bigger way because they do sort of tie more into the sort of the big the the thing that sort of the that ties the plot together at the end. Well then um, why don't we why don't we go into that now? We can definitely do that. Um I think that I think that um I definitely so creating the sort of the Phaedra character to sort of pop in every now and then in Nellis's life and clearly be experiencing reality in sort of a in sort of a disjointed way time-wise. I was always going to do something temporal with the story. That was that was fairly important to me. Um while also laying out all the clues uh throughout about this sort of this weird force that we had called the glory and uh how they connected with the the majesty. So that's the sort of these people um calling themselves the majesty. And early on even in like even in the second book, I had the sort of the evil knowledge god talk about being chained by the glory. I had a couple. I, I would hit. I would hide those things sort of all the way through these. This this idea that there was something. There was this sort of like giant, sort of omnipotent, uh, malevolent force called the glory. And one of the questions that I had sort of I wanted to at least lay out for the audience and also for for you all as the players is like where they go then. Like what happened. What happened to this this force? What happened to the, sort of these these dangerous these dangerous beings? Um, and I tried to show that a little bit at the end of the last arc that we did, the the Thrak arc, where one of the sort of towards the end, one of the fights. If you remember, uh, Thrak and uh, Thrak and Grumsh are sort of like crashing through different timelines, right? Um, one of the places I had them was was a battlefield where there were like automatons and um, automatons and then uh sort of these these silvery goldy sort of figures and that sort of represented one of those sort of the last stands against the glory um the idea the idea for this and i guess yeah i guess we just jump straight into it it's weird it's weird talking about it in a way that's not sort of uh it's weird just sort of laying it all out um the whole idea the sort of the mythology that i tried to, to to put together for this was this idea that at some point in the past there was this race called the Glory and they were omnipotent and they were basically like a bunch of much more malevolent Q types, like Q from Star Trek. Uh, the idea being that they would, you know, sort of wreak havoc and do all sorts of all sorts of things that would like ruin ruin the multiverse, basically. And that at some point there was this race that just sort of got fed up and uh, used sort of teamed up and used their magic to cast one spell that would sort of restrict the glory to one sort of small pocket universe. And Wait, we, we keep going back and forth on the glory and the magic. Yeah. 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 So that's, so this is all about, this is the glory first, right? The glory of the, the omnipotent race, the glory of the race that's we're goofing things up and sort of yeah. causing all sorts of trouble. So this, this one, this one planet, this one like race of people uh, sort of ban everything that they have together, sort of like Goku spirit bomb style, and they cast a spell that would restrict the glory to one sort of pocket dimension where the glory's magic would sort of just be restricted to that. So they're still omnipotent, but they only can be omnipotent sort of in their own little portion of space where they can't affect everything else. 
Um, the idea for me then is that the glory sort of after stewing in there for a while and sort of focusing their energies figured out a way not to use their omnipotence outside of that world, but to sort of project themselves into the, into the multiverse around their pocket dimension and sort of exist almost hologram style outside where they could still go out and still do things, but they couldn't, they weren't omnipotent outside anymore. They could sort of just sort of like, again, hologram in. And the idea for me is at that point they would rebrand because they're not really, they're not really powerful in a way, but they are still sort of pretty and majestic and capable of a lot and capable of influence, which is where they make the shift into being the majesty. And that's sort of, that's V and that's V's people. And so the idea here is that the idea here is that uh, V has been sort of trying when when the team meets V, he's working to gain influence in a very specific way. And and I really one of the things that I liked about about it is this idea that you don't really know what side he's on if if he's on any side other than his own, right? Um. So the the idea for the idea for the end. Uh, sort of as as we built to it is uh, uh, Phaedra, who as the character who had been popping in and out of sort of Nellis's visions and and existence. The idea is that Phaedra was part of that race, sort of uh, using temporal magic to appear, and that's why her appearances were super disjointed. That's why, you know, she would meet Nellis at points when she had already met Nellis, and Nellis hadn't met her yet. So she was like right. her timeline and Nellis's timeline was all over the place. The idea was that they were reaching out into the future to try to stop not just the glory that they'd already sort of locked away, but stop the majesty. Because the majesty, using their influence, had sort of gotten another race to develop this race of automatons. Those are the robots. If you remember um, the Cloud Hollow season, so season three, where we had Yadoye as the guest, I had implied that that world had sort of been destroyed by a race of automatons that were sort of trying to destroy organic life. The idea was that at the end, you all would return to that world, but in the past and on the planet, and you would be there. You would be there um, sort of to fight in that last stand of that race versus the automatons that the Majesty had sent. Um, I was also going to do a fun thing where like, uh, as you you get to the planet at in the current timeline and you get attacked by like a giant giant bridge mimic, and then later on in the episode, like I was going to have Squigs be separated from the group somehow, and the the implication would be that Squigs like existed on this what planet is the bridge mimic and like ended up being a giant bridge mimic, and like it was gonna yeah. There's a whole I had a whole thing planned with that that I thought was really cool. That's great. Um, so the the sort of the idea, the big uh, the the big sort of plot arc with with Nellis was that early on Phaedra gave her an item that was a weapon, and the weapon had to be charged by sort of using V's portals. It was charged on that sort of that Majesty magic, and it was going to be a weapon to ultimately try to kill V. But the twist that I was going to do is I was going to have you be confronted by Vox, if you remember, was V's sibling. Right. Um, Vox was going to attack you. Uh, Nellis was going to. Uh, the weapon was going to like vibrate or whatever. So that Nellis knew like, Oh, this is a thing to use now. And then instead of killing V, you all would kill Vox or you would fight Vox. And assuming there wasn't a TPK, you would, uh, you would kill Vox. And then um, from there, the majesty that existed. So V's father and the rest of them were going to try to destroy gear guard as sort of to punish any mortals that thought that they could kill 
a member of their race. Right. So the the threat was going to be now you're you know everything that you all know is under threat in the same way that they sent a race of automatons to destroy the world that challenged them the first time. You know they would be sending something to destroy Gear Guard. Uh, so you would have to team up with V one last time um, using the sort of magic and using the abilities and the spellcasting stuff of that original race, which was part of the time travel thing. And there was going to be a, and there was going to be a big showdown where, um, where the spell takes time to power up and you would have to fight through while, while the majesty are not just because they the, the first spell locked them away the second spell was going to depower them and turn, turn them into mortals and stop being omnipotent even in their own universe now the sort of the, right. the next step you would have to fight through this wave after wave of these things that were immortal and were omnipotent slowly losing their powers while you had to stall to make sure the spell went off and that's sort of that's the that was the big sort of final climax and i was going to have them like turn into various bosses you had fought throughout the course of the series, turn into different characters because they can shapeshift and do all sorts of crazy things in their, in their universe. Um, but yeah, that was the sort of, that was the big climax that I had planned was this revelation that, that there was this sort of like, again, this, this race, this race sort of moving behind the scenes after they lost their, actual uh control moving behind the scenes to sort of manipulate things and to save you know not just your own characters but also like the world that they were from they had to sort of finally finally put an end to this to this sort of uh this sort of uh, multiversal threat yeah i'm very cool plan it was a cool plan it was a fun idea and then there was going to be a thing V was going to sort of survive, and uh, early on in the series, V V had sort of imparted part of his powers to Nellis, and the idea would be uh, he would take some of that power back so that uh, there's only really one of them left with any power at all, and it, and it is V before he sort of fucks off in the multiverse. And I did want to have a thing where the audience and the players never really completely understand whether he was uh, benevolent or just completely self-serve or some sort of mix of both. I did sort of think he did care. He care. He did end up caring about the characters in a way that I didn't necessarily predict happening. Um, but I did like, I do sort of like the idea of like this one sort of rascally Q type just sort of existing. Um, that was the big arc. And that was sort of the big, that was the big climax of the, of the story. Um, Riley Silverman was going to come last uh, or the second to last season and reprise the character she played during the stream. Um, we were going to find out that she is actually also from the world that because early on in, in her part, she mentions that like she had escaped from her world. That was going to end up being the world that Phaedra was from the, where the, the sort of automatons came. So she was going to be from there as well and sort of be connected to all this. Like maybe she knew Phaedra uh, and was maybe working with her as well. Um, yeah. Then that's, that's sort of, that was the big one. That's that's uh, that's sort of how it was gonna happen. I'm sort of because I I I'd run ideas by you. I tried to not be as spoilerly spoilery with you as I can because you play through it, right? Of um, course. But I'd run some ideas by you. But I'm sort of I guess I'm curious just from your perspective how you feel Thrak would have uh, sort of interacted with those those events or what that would have sort of done for Thrak. Well, um, it's interesting uh, with all of that stuff. I mean, the the kind of great thing about this for Thrak is like 
Thrak is a very simple character. Thrax <laughs> sees a character that is stronger than him, and he thinks that character needs to be destroyed. Yeah. Um, and it's not that it's not that Thrak doesn't trust characters who are more powerful than him and only only trusts himself to wield power. It's just that that's his favorite thing, and he likes to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally it's like that's just like nachos to him you know what i yeah. mean it's not mm-hmm. it's not like a grand philosophical thing it's you know if anything thrak is is rather populist but populist to the extent of like yes the people at the bottom should make it their quest to kill everything stronger than them and so uh that to to sort of discover the full truth about the majesty and the glory to Thrak, that's like, oh, perfect. This is <laughs> this is an even bigger fish to fry. And yeah. so I think uh, on the the Thrak perspective of this is is overwhelmingly simple. There is, yeah. you know, oh, should I drop my uh, you know deity duties for a minute and and pursue this stronger thing to kill? Yes, of course, without a doubt. I and I I do sort of I do. I do I think the thing that I was excited about the most is because at some I think the characters hit level 20 what four seasons ago um 3 seasons ago and I I was very much looking forward to putting them into a fight that had some fucking stakes in it because you know you can't you can't throw some strong bandits in front of level 20 characters because that combat's over in a second I do think combat was sort of the least interesting part of our show, just in terms of listen, like what is listenable and what I think people like. I think combats, it's fun to do, but I think in terms of making listenable content, it's not as fun to listen to. But I was excited. I, I think I got excited every time I could do a fight that was sort of gimmicked, like the, the chase scene fight in our Mad Max season was right. fun for me. The, the fight on the submarine was fun for me because there's this threat of oh, you could fucking float off into the sea. Um, And maybe you will if you're Brandy. Yeah, yes, Uh, So I think I think I was excited. Anytime I could think of like a fun sort of gimmick fight, even sending Thrak and Grump sort of barreling through dimensions was really fun for me. Um, And so I was I was definitely sort of excited to do excited to do this sort of um, weird like world bending uh multiverse bending combat with uh, basically like not just gods but sort of omnipotent beings was i thought uh uh potentially going to be very very cool um i do still and we're we're sort of we're figuring out how this is going to go but uh for anyone listening who's like oh no thrak and daxon and 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 lilith and Nellis, all the characters that i love are gone i'll say a couple of things to that really quickly one we do have one more thing we're going to record with these characters at the sort of at the end of at the end of this. It'll it'll either go up. I think it'll go up next week if we're able to. I, I think we'll be able to do that. Um, that is sort of an epilogue that I have planned that I think is important. Um, but also, like I I don't you know we're going to keep doing this podcast. We're going to keep doing different arcs. I don't know if any iteration of these characters will return. I have sort of an idea for how they could for a potential sequel saga that would be way down the line that I would want to do it in a different sort of in a different realm of existence and in a different game, even just so 
to, so it's something sort of new, but I, I have some ideas, but I guess just to, to assure anyone listening, like these characters aren't gone. You know, these characters aren't, this isn't like the end, the end, the end of this whole thing. It's just, you know, no, we're, not we're, at all. I mean, it's, you know, I believe at the end of, okay, this is a very weird comparison to make, but please. if I'm not mistaken at the end of, um, Dragon Ball GT, which is now non-canon, it's like, actually, I don't even remember this, uh, but I think it was something like, basically, like, Goku just, like, flies off with the dragon. You know what I mean? Like, it's, the character's not walked off. The character yeah, is, exactly still exists in this universe slash multiverse. For, edit out this Dragon Ball GT thing. This is nope, I completely I'm forget. For, how I am that, for sure keeping it in. Are you kidding totally me? Totally forget how that series ends, and I started a sentence not knowing how it was going to finish. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'll keep it in, but let's let's see how we do. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, it's just you know, there there maybe maybe after the next couple of things, maybe we'll want to we'll we'll be at a point where we can. I think realistically, we're sort of you know, it's been. It's been uh, uh, over a year of playing this, playing this game, and being these characters, and uh, you know the cast might they're shift also, up. They're also so strong now, you know, like they're yeah. they are better served by being legends than they are by being players. I, I yeah, and that's sort of. And if they are going to be players, it'll be in a different. Basically, I've an idea. I'll, I guess we could tease it a teensy bit. I have this idea that like post whatever existence they're currently in, they would have to sort of start fresh in a new existence and sort of figure out what it means to be even the things that exist post that sort of like in another, like almost like a reincarnation type thing. I've got ideas. I have ideas that are, are definitely, cool. um, I, that I'm sort of sitting on. Um, yeah. And also just re- realistically, like, again, we, we, we treat this podcast, we've treated it like a job in terms of, you know, and it, it has, it's been work and, and people, you know, people on the cast have different things going on in our lives. And some of the cast might shift up a little bit moving forward into the different sagas. We could get some different people coming in to be more regular parts of the cast or be sort of shifting in and out characters. We're going to see, we're going to see what happens. And I, frankly, I wish that I had a more sort of meaty answer, but the, the truth of it is I, I don't, actually know what the what the makeup of the cast looks like it, it could be exactly the same it could be only partly the same and all that is part of the reason why we're uh, part of the reason why we're having to sort of do this this is how the story was going to end thing which I, I think you know i would much rather do this than than nothing at all or than than quit the podcast or anything like that um i want to talk a little bit about uh what's coming up i want to talk a little bit about the uh you know so i mentioned that there's going to be an epilogue that's true there will be an epilogue where we sort of sort of uh have a on-screen sort of farewell a little bit to the characters at least for now for this for this saga and then in doing so we're we're able to send them off into being sort of multiversal legends exactly absolutely exactly um but then what's coming after that? And the answer is stuff is coming. Uh, there's a game that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about the game Monster of the Week. But I've been a big fan. I've been a big fan of Monster of the Week for a, a, a while now. And I have a story. Basically, I wrote a, I wrote a short story uh, recently just sort of as a fun exercise, as a writing exercise. And I really, really like – I really like where it went and I – I thought, okay, this would actually fit really well. This would actually fit really well 
that we can play through. Um, the idea, it's sort of, it is vaguely, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sort of Twin uh, Peaks e in terms of like idyllic town, maybe some deeper, darker stuff going on under the surface. Um, I want it to be sort of, I want it to be more of an investigation type show. There's, there's going to be some stuff going on and I want the players to sort of really have to dig into it and see, see if they can uncover what's happening. I'm really excited to do that. I imagine it will probably go for uh, a month or two. Um, uh, that sort of story. I haven't written it to be very long, but obviously fucking who knows, um, and then after that, I'm actually going to be taking uh, taking uh, uh, or leaving the the DM seat for uh, for this next the big saga coming up because that the, the sort of the Twin Peaks one that's shorter that's just a sort again like a palate cleanser. Um, after that though, uh, the DM will be you. Uh, and I want to do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what you want to do? Yes. Um, uh, so. One of the things that I love very much intellectual property-wise is a, I would say, semi-obscure role-playing game from 2001 by a now-defunct game studio called Troika, um, who you may know as being the studio of Tim Kaine and Leonard Boyarsky, the original creators of the Fallout franchise and the Vampire Masquerade franchise, and uh, also the co-creators of uh, last year's um, Outer Worlds for, I think, for PS4, which is a great game. Um, but anyway... I didn't play that. It looked fun. Oh, it's super fun. Imagine a, a, a version of Fallout where the capitalism critique is, like, way more on the nose. Okay. It's, yeah, it's super fun. It's like Space Fallout, Bioshock, goodness. It's cool. just... It's lovely. Um, but one of the things that Outer Worlds does is... Outer Worlds, shockingly, is a much smaller game than 2001's Arcanum, um, okay. which, you know, the, the thing that always blew me away about it was, like, what a massive living world it was. And uh, felt so much more massive, certainly for the time, for, for 2001, when, you know, games were much, much less uh, ambitious from a world-building perspective. So, uh, you know, it, it made a huge impact on me uh, formatively growing up, loving storytelling and world building and that kind of thing. And I've always wanted to somehow use it as inspiration for a tabletop. So uh, that's basically exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, I have been working on a mechanic for it that is to a degree, um, to a degree, a little bit inspired by the mechanic from the good people at a, an RPG called Quest. Uh, which is a very, very cool, uh, very cool new tabletop. Um, and, uh, you know, the goal here is to tell a very different kind of story than Lost in the Multiverse. Because Lost in the Multiverse, there is a sort of Douglas Adams-y zaniness to the dimension hopping. Um, and it was a zany universe where the characters were also zany, uh, you know, the players were zany themselves. And so I've, you know, it, that led to uh, sort of a particular really fun tone. And my goal is to see what a story might look like uh, if the universe is rather apathetic to the existence of the player characters. And the player characters have to sort of do that much more to make their mark 
but also have to sort of live much more within uh, the constraints of this setting. And I think that is one of the things that gets really interesting with collaborative storytelling is when you draw a box around a team and sort of force them to think their way out of it. Uh, And so that's one of my goals with this. And a little bit about the Arcanum setting. Um, I, and I would say, don't look too much up about it because you might spoil yourself for some significant, you know, storytelling reveals and stuff like that. Uh, but it is, it is a steampunk setting, but a, I would say a sort of more D and D take on steampunk where there is sort of the world of magic and there's the world of technology. And those worlds are, uh, very severely at odds with each other to the point where technological characters make magic go haywire and vice versa. So I think the idea that the characters that the players will be playing will in some ways, just by the laws of the natural universe in this, in this arc, in this saga, um, naturally interfere with each other, I think is uh, really interesting too. And, uh, you know, one thing that we're probably going to do is we're going to start the Arcanum stuff with a bit of a playtest, a sort of a super short story, and then we'll go into the longer story. And I think part of that is just me messing around with the mechanics of how, you know, combat and items and character leveling and stuff like that will work, because this will be obviously our first time doing a campaign that has its own sort of proprietary actual like rules and mechanics and stuff, as opposed to like playing D and D or, or monster of the week or something like that. I mean, this will functionally belong to lost in the multiverse, which is bananas. Uh, and, uh, and you know, it'll, it'll give the, the listeners a chance to go, okay, I guess, I guess here's how Sam DMS and, uh, I guess he's not terrible, hopefully, fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm a little nervous. I hope I don't end up um, uh, sort of just going, uh, I don't even know how I was going to end that sentence. Um, anyway, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I hope you enjoy what I'm going to do. Uh, my very good joke was I said I think you've laid it out pretty good actually I think there's sort of, we we uh, you know to saying that it's steampunk is a great way to lose the interest of uh, me but other than that uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I I think I think it's I, I the thing that I'm excited because I've you know we've been talking about this for a little bit and the thing that I'm really excited is a to be a player and only have to do one character voice for the whole time love yes that. that's nice um yeah um. B, I'm I'm excited to have sort of more of a commitment to this high fantasy setting and sort of in a, in a pure way because one of the things, like you said, there was sort of it's Douglas Adamsy a little bit we universe hop, right, right. but I wanted to do something that let us explore a lot of different genres and you know, in I would say it was definitely sort of a Doctor Who we sort of show of like these are our characters, totally. what's going to happen if we put them in a zany setting or a different setting or a setting that's wildly sort of different from what they had been dealing with whereas this one I feel like this is maybe a little bit more of a Game of Thrones where it's like hey this is the setting and we're going to totally. build we're going to build these characters and we're going to put them through 
Um, we're going to put them through some some shit where you know they they are going through this story in this world and they have to exist in this world. And I do think there's something. The fact that you know the fact that uh, Thrak is going to leave a world meant that he could do pretty much fucking whatever in it and then dip is sort of that idea is sort of gone here because we're existing in a world where your actions have more long term consequences. There, your actions, yeah, that's the thing. They're going to be. That's that's what I mean by like drawing a box around the team is absolutely. like there are going to be real consequences to if if Brandy decides she wants to steal something and kill a guy that is going to reverberate for the rest of the show. Yeah. So I think the that element of it is going to be like profoundly different in a really interesting way. I mean, this yeah. is a show where consequences will be everything. Yeah. And I do I do want to say sort of for anyone who's potentially worried, the fact that the world is going to be more apathetic, the fact that it is going to be uh, sort of there are going to be more consequences doesn't mean this stops being a comedy show. Fundamentally, we're putting comedic performers in a room to do right. To funny do people some, are solving these problems. Right. And a funny person is creating, you know, the DM here is you and you wildly funny person so it's not like we're not this is not the point where the podcast you know nose dives into the Zack Snyder verse this is this is just uh, it's a different setting that I think is going to be really exciting and sort of will allow us to be a different kind of funny which I'm frankly very excited to to jump into especially as a character because fucking I'm so, can I I'm so done drawing maps Sam Sam uh-huh. drawing I don't <laughs> like drawing maps um, well, uh, yeah. no more map drawing for you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, it's to for to uh, to talk about the kind of commitment uh, to consequences. You know, it doesn't mean uh, as Dash said, like it doesn't it doesn't mean grim dark, but it right. does mean like, hey, if you guys decide you're gonna kill everyone in this town. Sh- ev- People are going to know about it, <laughs> and yeah. you're just going to, like, from a comedic perspective, you guys are just going to have to commit to the bit so much harder <laughs> because, yeah. you you know, once once y- y'all make a, a reputation, that will last forever and carry everywhere you go. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm extremely, I'm extremely, I'm extremely excited yeah. for that. I mean, you know, y'all might still go the full murder hobo route, but everyone's going to see you and be like, oh, those are the murder hobos. Right. Those are those dangerous town-to-town murder yeah. people. Um, yeah. I think, I, think that's, I think that's a lot of what I wanted to, wanted to do with this. Um, I will say this. For anyone listening, if you have questions about how specific things w- would have gone, I'm going to open up my Twitter and the Lost in the Multiverse Twitter. If you do, if you hashtag things, hashtag LITMcast now, if you have specific questions – I can jump in and answer the questions um, unless I feel like it would especially ruin the experience somehow. But I'm happy to answer any questions about other plot things. If there's stuff that you're worried about, you know, how was this going to tie up? Did you have a plan for this? Um, I, one thing that I did want to mention that I forgot to is that the, the set of armor, the set of armor that sort of grew from Thrax Helm was going to show up and be on the side of the Majesty slash the Glory. And that was going to be th- sort of Thrax's big one-on-one combat for the last season um, just cause that one, that was an idea that I thought was going to basically just to pull back the curtain entirely. I love the helmet that gives Thrak bad advice, but also like that was going to add another th- half hour to every single turn. And I was like, this is, 
I, we just can't. We just, we, just, <laughs> we just, I don't want to spend another half hour being one character, having a one-on-one talk with Thrag while everyone just sits there and then the combat happens. Uh, so yeah, I was like, this is an idea that I love, but I also like. Yeah, I feel like we learned our lesson on talking items rather quickly. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I not as fast as I would have liked, but fast enough that I was like, yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, any, if you, if you hashtag questions about sort of the, the arc and what was going to happen, hashtag LITM cast, um, I'll answer and them. I, I, I would say this too. Um, if, if you are a fan of Arcanum and you do have questions for me yes. that do not venture into spoilery territory, because remember, uh, none of the players, Dash included, know a goddamn thing about this setting and about this plot and about any so like in a in a completely non-spoilery way um you can tweet at me or or uh uh ask you know dm me or something at sam haft um yeah so if you use if you use that hashtag um for for this this previous arc i'll answer those ones if you use the hashtag um you can also tweet at i think we're all listed on the twitter you can tweet at um me or sam if you have specific questions and if you have questions about like other character stuff you know um, I can, I, I'll, you know, I, I gotta check with, with Brandy and, and, and co. Um, but I'm sure we're, we're all, you know, these characters are all very important to us from the first arc. These characters matter to us. And I think we're, we're happy to talk about them a little bit. So, you know, um, yeah, talk, talk to us. Uh, the, the fact that people listen to the show at all is, is still wildly exciting for me. The fact that people are into it, the fact that people, um, want to know what's happening and tune in every week to try to, to sort of help continue piecing the story together is, is really exciting to me. And I just, you know, I, I think, I think people are going to like what's coming. I think we have some really cool stories on the horizon and I'm really excited for people to, to have our, 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 our sort of our different, our different stories, you know, as, as we move from this arc in, into the next and the one after that uh, and keep the show going, I'm, I'm just really excited I'm excited for people to sort of see us do something a little bit different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm, and again, I'm excited to not draw fucking maps anymore. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, this has been, uh, this has been the sort of the, the short wrap up. We're going to do epilogue. Hopefully that can be out next week. I got to sort of talk to everyone quickly, but um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode but also this arc this you know this has been this has been over a hundred episodes of content and and we really appreciate everyone listening to this and we appreciate everyone who are going to continue listening as the show grows and changes yeah absolutely um cool well i i've uh, you know i've been dash i've been sam and thank you for listening to this one and we will see you uh we will see, see you soon with with more lost in the multiverse bye